Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Hey, everybody. It's Cindy. You know me. I host this podcast, Basic Folk. Thank you for joining us. Today, we're doing something special. We have a special guest on, singer-songwriter, entrepreneur, and podcast host Ben Arthur of Songwriter is here. Hey, Ben. Hey, Cindy. We are going to be sharing an episode of Ben's lovely podcast, Songwriter, in our feed, as we like to do every once in a while. Um, Ben Arthur has been on Basic Folk before, and it honestly is one was one of my favorite and most insightful interviews that I have ever done. Uh, ben truly let the walls come down and allowed us to both dig into his psyche. I feel like we both learned a lot <laughs> about you that day. Um, it was a rare privilege to be able to strip feelings and actions down to their studs and really examine with what's going on. I'd recommend checking out Ben's previous appearance on Basic Folk. Um, you can find it anywhere you get podcasts or at basicfolk.com. That is after you take a listen to his wonderful podcast, Songwriter. The concept is amazing. Some of the best writers present their stories, followed by an answer song written for the tale by some of our favorite songwriters. So, Ben, you are somebody who comes up with incredible ideas and manifest some of them into reality, including this podcast, Songwriter. Can you tell us the origin story of why you decided to create this? I've always been fascinated by uh, inspiration, and especially um, inter-arts inspiration, the way you know you might go to um, you know a gallery at a museum and uh, walk out and mm. and you see you know uh, a tableau uh, you know in a park and you suddenly think, oh my gosh, that that looks like art. That looks like the thing I was just experiencing. Or you might see a, a ballet um, performance and then you watch a street sweeper like moving around uh, on the street <laughs> and suddenly have this sense of it being uh, art too. And the ways that one kind of art, um, whether it's a, a story or um, you know a painting or anything else, uh, can turn into another piece of art is something that I you know have studied because I you know that's a, a mechanism that I use to do my own writing. Um, but also, uh, you know, I just find the, the subject itself completely engaging. Um, it, it's sort of like a, a hack, uh, a life hack for artists uh, to go into someone else's work in order to find a starting point for your own work. Mm. I know that there's some, like, really cool um, songs that are kind of, like, call songs and answer songs the one that that immediately comes to mind is lloyd cole are you ready to be heartbroken and camera obscura writing hey lloyd i'm ready to be heartbroken <laughs> i always thought that was so cool so sure like communi communication between um a, an actual 
songwriter and an actual like writer writer is a really cool concept sure or tori amos uh name checking neil gaiman um oh my god my favorite thing ever in uh (laughs) you're talking about right now yeah or um you know sweet home alabama uh name checking neil young um but it doesn't have to be so specific necessarily you know like uh uh, Baby's Got Back uh, inspired Anaconda. Um, you know, like it doesn't have <laughs> to be a direct um, call out in order to, um, you know, be uh, an answer song. Um, and this is just sort of a way of um, making the the process a little bit more sort of specific and inviting, uh, you know, artists that I admire to to interact with each other, um, especially musicians who, who I adore. And, um, and, and you know what, honestly, it's a way to stay next to people I really respect and try to learn a little bit from how how they approach mm. things and how they think about things. One thing I really enjoy about all of your entrepreneurial um, uh, <laughs> efforts is that it does involve people collaborating with other people like every every time and it's uh, something that you do very well and if a podcast could be in a museum as high art then songwriter should should be in it i appreciate that and i take that to be an indication of how obscure my particular uh, (laughs) way of approaching the world is um sorry sirens going past um well maybe it could be in the warhol museum i like it i like it or like one of those mutter museums where people talk about uh the very like weird and upsetting art that like prisoners and mental hospitals make (laughs) i I feel like that might be my home okay that's uh i i'm into it um all right so we're gonna take a listen to an episode of songwriter uh featuring maya sharp who i completely stan love maya so much i love her singing her songwriting i also love her speaking voice Mm. um she's a wonderful person and she uh is on your podcast along with cheryl strayed you said that exactly right. Uh, right. Cheryl Strayed. Uh, yeah, that was I've actually... Never, I just realized I've never said her name out loud. Yeah, I, I will admit in my head it was Strayed until um, until Maya corrected me by saying it out loud. So uh, Cheryl is one of uh, Maya's favorite authors, and Maya had just gone through a fairly intense period of her life that she talks about um, in, in the episode coming up, um, and, uh, and a breakup of, uh, you know, her marriage. And uh, one of the things that she turned to was Cheryl's writing, especially her writing um, in the column Dear Sugar, um, where, mm-hmm. you know, for years, people didn't even know this was Cheryl for years, but for years there was this uh, advice column, Dear Sugar, that, um, you know, Cheryl was the, the voice behind it, Sugar. And um, so I asked Cheryl whether she would read... Um, one of her letters um, and the advice that she gave and uh, it was a, a letter about the loss of her mother um, and how her mother's sort of presence uh, ripples through um, time 
and uh, it's a gorgeous um, piece of advice. It's a gorgeous piece of writing. And Maya made it into a song that will take your breath away. And and this song mm-hmm. um, is you know on her new album um, and should definitely be heard. But when it came out, it was uh, as many of the songs are on Songwriter exclusive to Songwriter because folks are just taking this incredibly terrifying risk. I, I want to underscore um, to uh, agree to write something that they haven't written yet and to, to take inspiration from the thing that, that is put in front of them. Um, but letting someone like Maya work with someone who she, uh, admires and adores and has taken a lot of, uh, life, uh, advice from, uh, passively as a reader, um, is really, uh, a delight and, um, really mm. a lot of fun to see someone get to, to do. And, uh, that's why I'm, I'm so, uh, proud of in in my sort of passive mm-hmm. way um that that song exists because it wouldn't have existed if maya uh, didn't have the talent that she had and if she hadn't thought to invite cheryl to do this project with us well there's a, a lot of love and a lot of effort and hard work that goes into songwriter i hope you enjoy listening to this episode and go check out songwriter wherever you get podcasts or at songwriterpodcast.com thanks a lot ben Thanks for having me. Welcome to the third season of Songwriter, the podcast of stories and answer songs. My name is Ben Arthur, and I'm delighted to bring you a brand new song by an artist that I've admired for years, Maya Sharp. But first, the writer who inspires Maya, Cheryl Strayed. You may have read Cheryl's best-selling memoir, Wild, or seen the movie based on it starring Reese Witherspoon, or you may have read her celebrated advice column, Dear Sugar, which was published as the collection Tiny Beautiful Things. Cheryl's writing is somehow as raw and vulnerable as it is generous and wise, and it's nearly impossible to read her and not feel transformed. Now, here's Cheryl Strayed reading one of her most personal letters from Dear Sugar in a live online performance late last year. Dear Sugar, the general mystery of becoming seems like a key idea in many of your columns of how you don't know what something will turn into, it will, will turn out to be until you've lived it. It's made me want to know more. Will you give us a specific example of how something has played out over years of your life, Sugar? Thank you. Signed, big fan. And I just want to say for those of you who aren't familiar with the Dear Sugar Sugar column, it was an advice column that I wrote on the rumpus.net. And these are real people who wrote to me uh, with their questions. Here's my answer to big fan. Dear big fan, the summer I was 18, I was driving down a country road with my mother. This was in the rural county where I grew up and all the roads were country. The houses spread out over miles hardly any of them in sight of a neighbor. Driving meant going past an endless stream of trees and fields and wildflowers. On this particular afternoon, my mother and I came upon a yard sale at a big house where a very old woman lived alone, her husband dead, her kids grown and gone. Let's look and see what she has, my mother said as we passed. So I turned the car around and pulled into the old woman's driveway and the two of us got out. We were the only people there. Even the old woman whose sale it was didn't come out of the house, only waving to us from the window. It was August, the last stretch of time that I would live with my mother. 
I'd completed my first year of college by then, and I'd returned home for the summer because I'd gotten a job in a nearby town. In a few weeks, I'd go back to college, and I'd never again live in the place I called home, though I didn't know that then. There was nothing much of interest at the yard sale I saw as I made my way among the junk, old cooking pots, and worn-out board games, incomplete sets of dishes in faded, unfashionable colors, appalling polyester pants. But as I turned away, just before I was about to suggest that we should go, something caught my eye. It was a red velvet dress trimmed with white lace, fit for a toddler. Look at this, I said, and I held it up to my mother, who said, oh, isn't that the sweetest thing? And I agreed, and I set the dress back down. In a month, I'd be eight, I'd be 19. In a year, I'd be married. In three years, I'd be standing in a meadow not far from that old woman's yard, holding the ashes of my mother's body in my palms. I was pretty certain at that moment that I would never be a mother myself. Children were cute, but ultimately annoying. I thought then I wanted more out of life. And yet, ridiculously, inexplicably, on that day, the month before I turned 19, as my mother and I poked among the detritus of someone else's life, I kept returning to that red velvet dress fit for a toddler. I don't know why. I cannot explain it even still, except to say that something about it called to me powerfully. I wanted that dress. I tried to talk myself out of wanting it as I smoothed my hands over its velvet. There was a small square of masking tape near its collar that said, one dollar. You want that dress? My mother asked, glancing up nonchalantly from her own perusals. Why would I? I snapped, perturbed with myself more than her. For some day, said my mother. But I'm not going to have kids, I argued. You can put it in a box, she replied. Then you'll have it, no matter what you do. I don't have a dollar, I said, with finality. I do, my mother said, and reached for the dress. I put it in a box, in a cedar chest that belonged to my mother. I dragged it with me all the way along the scorching trail of my 20s and into my 30s. I had a son and then a daughter. The red dress was a secret only known to me, buried for years among my mother's best things. When I finally unearthed it and held it again, it was like being slapped and kissed at the same time. Like the volume was being turned way up and also way down. The two things that were true about its existence had an opposite effect, and yet they were the same single fact. My mother bought a dress for the granddaughter she'll never know. My mother bought a dress for the granddaughter she'll never know. How beautiful, how ugly, how little, how big, how painful, how sweet. It's almost never until later that we can draw a line between this and that. 
There was no force at work other than my own desire that compelled me to want that dress. Its meaning was made only by my mother's death and my daughter's birth. And then it meant a lot. The red dress was the material evidence of my loss, but also of the way my mother's love carried me forth beyond her. Her life extending years into my own in ways I could never have imagined. It was a becoming that I would not have dreamed was mine until the moment the red dress caught my eye. My daughter doesn't connect, connect me to my mother more than my son does. My mother lives as brightly in my boy child as she does in my girl. But seeing my daughter in that red dress on the second Christmas of her life gave me something beyond words. The feeling I got was like that original double whammy I'd had when I first pulled that dress from the box of my mother's best things. Only now it was my daughter is wearing a dress that her grandmother bought for her at a yard sale. My daughter is wearing a dress that her grandmother bought for her at a yard sale. It is so simple, it breaks my heart. How unspecial that fact is to so many. How ordinary for a child to wear a dress her grandmother bought for her. But how extraordinary it was for me. I suppose this is what I mean when I say, we can't possibly know what will manifest in our lives. We live and have experiences and leave people we love and get left by them. People we thought would be with us forever aren't, and people we didn't know would come into our lives do. Our work here is to keep faith with that, to put it in a box and wait, to trust that someday we'll know what it means so that when the ordinary miraculous is revealed to us, we will be there standing before the baby girl in the pretty dress, grateful for the smallest things. Yours, Sugar. And now for the song written in response. Hello, my name is Maya Sharp. I am a singer-songwriter. I've been making my own albums for years and I write for other artists as well. Maya's songs have been covered by Cher, Trisha Yearwood, Art Garfunkel, and Bonnie Raitt. My first dream was to play saxophone for Bonnie Raitt. Um, I thought I was going to be a saxophone player. She heard some of my songs and recorded them on her album Souls Alike. This is in 2005. And then asked me to come to the studio to replicate some of the harmonies that I did on my versions that she heard. Bonnie Raitt was standing in the lobby of the studio, this is in Los Angeles, and I walk in the door and she throws her arms open and says, Maya, it's so great to meet you. And, and all of the nerves and the fear just completely melted away. Like, I feel like I have known this person. I mean, I, I already did feel like I have known her for years because I had been listening to her music for years, but now, 
just her humanity was exactly what I was hoping for. And we, we were like instant friends and we've been really close ever since. I just had this really great homework assignment where I got to write a song in response to one of my favorite authors. I think she was the first name. And it could be because one of her books has been sitting by my bedside since I moved from Los Angeles to Nashville. Her writings, Tiny Beautiful Things, just over and over again, it helped me feel a little less crazy and or okay that I felt a little broken. And there's one in particular, it's called something like The Woman with a Bundle on Her Head. One of the themes, and her, her writing always has so many layers in it, but one of the layers is her realizing that she's with somebody who is wonderful, loving, awesome human being, and she knows that she has to go. And I had just been through that. I was with somebody who's amazing, just, beautiful person inside and out and she loved me and I loved her and there was something in me that was saying that I had to go and to you know I just felt a little crazy like why the hell is this is this happening and am I the only one that's ever done this this really bizarre thing <laughs> I really just blew up my life <laughs> everything changed I tried to write a song in response to one of the other layers first. And I think I think the first one I tried was something like Life is a Yard Sale, like eventually all your shit's just kind of strewn everywhere. <laughs> but then the Life is a Yard Sale angle just didn't feel like it was heavy enough. It was just it was always falling a little bit on the light side. And I really wanted to take a swing at one of the themes in her piece that would make me feel, when I heard the song, would make me feel like I feel when I read the piece. Where she says that she sees her mom in her son's eyes, and when her little girl wears the dress, all these years after her mom is already gone, and how the ripples of her mom's life went into her own, years after her mom, I mean, oof, that's it. I just had to go for that, so. You know, I pulled a couple literal things from, from her piece. The first line is, I smooth my hands across the velvet, um, and a ripple in time starts rolling. So she spoke about the ripples that her mom's life sent forth into Cheryl's. You know, I thought of my grandma, my Uncle Steve, my little cousin, friends, you know, my ex-wife's father, who's awesome. And I just, it isn't a religious thing. It, it isn't a supernatural thing. It's just feeling them. And as Cheryl put it, you know, the ripples that they, that they set off that are still rolling through your own life. And now, here's Maya Sharp with her song, It's Always Good to See You. 
I smooth my hands across the velvet, and a ripple in time starts rolling. I couldn't know when that wave would break. A song on the radio, a rerun of your favorite show, my own reflection, making that expression you'd make. When I hear myself say what I wish that I'd said then, when I find a little meaning in a mess, I am still amazed at your ways of checking in, a cardinal on a wire yard sale dress. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see. I wanna catch it when you come to me. Oh, I know it can't just be the moment, but sometimes it's the long game reveal. And the ripple tends to find a shore if I know what I'm watching for. The ordinary becomes a very big deal when I. Hear myself say what I wish that I'd said then. When I find a little meaning in the mess, I am still amazed at your ways of checking in. A cardinal on a wire yard sale dress. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see. That you could stay. I guess you do in your way. When I hear myself say what I wish that I'd said then, when I find a little meaning in the mess, I am still amazed at your ways of checking in. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see you. It's always good to see you was written in response to a letter from Dear Sugar by Cheryl Strayed. Maya Sharp's new album Mercy Rising will be out on May seventh. Get more information at mayasharp.com. Cheryl Strayed is again writing letters from Dear Sugar. You can sign up for her newsletter at cherylstrayed.com, and of course, get her books anywhere books are sold. You can also see a live performance that Cheryl, Maya, and I did on the Songwriter Facebook page, and you can hear the song that I wrote in response to a different letter from Cheryl called "Hey Sugar." Anywhere that music streams.
The next episode of Songwriter will feature a story from Roxanne Gay and songs written in response by Toshi Regan and Celise Henderson. Songwriter is a part of the American Songwriter Podcast Network, along with some other great podcasts. Make sure to check out americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast. And you can always get early access to the Songwriter Podcast at Paste. Just go to pastemagazine.com and search for Ben Arthur. And while you're there, check out the Paste Podcast or get it wherever you get yours. Last, thanks to Rob Reinhardt and Acoustic Cafe. Acoustic Cafe.